Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Don Helbig, alongside Ryan Sir. And uh, Ryan, it's the holiday season. How's the Christmas shopping going for you? You know, Don, it, it is theme park holiday season, uh, as I titled this episode, which now that I'm saying it out loud doesn't make any sense. But hey, uh, Christmas shopping is going uh, about as well as it normally does for me, which means that uh, a lot of my Amazon orders are now arriving. How's it going for you? You know, the same thing. You know, I was thinking the other day that, uh, you know, the days of, you know, whether it was Black Friday or whatever, of, of you know, fighting the crowds and the malls and that, uh, you know, that's behind us and everything comes through Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And it's funny because, um, you know, they always say that in retail, like you can always tell the the health of certain companies based on how early they start Christmas because they desperately need the Christmas season to be very successful. So, you know, if you've still got a Sears near you, they might've started Christmas on the 4th of July for all you know. But um, I think regardless, it's happening earlier and earlier every year. I think you can agree with that too, can't you? Oh yeah, it does happen earlier and earlier every year, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's just a fun time of the year that, you know, the, the Christmas season for, for me, it always has been, I'm sure it has been, uh, you know, for you too. But, you know, if you're listening to us here, just, you know, reminder, follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore grp and search for the attractions group podcast on youtube or your favorite podcast apps that's right yeah we're rocking the youtube but we are going to uh try to go live in a couple weeks we're going to have more information on that uh coming up so definitely follow us on the youtubes that's going to be where it's at all right don it's theme park holiday season i'm so excited about it i love the christmas season at theme parks because it is the entertainment side of theme parks at their best for the most part. So um, one thing that I've been doing uh, through different assets of ours is I've been pulling our, our, our listeners and our, you know, our, our followers and asking them, what are their favorite activities uh, with these theme park, you know, Christmas events and so on. And it looks like it's pretty much been a tie between shows and rides for you. What's your favorite part of, uh, you know, the Christmas holiday season at theme parks? You know, for me, I, it's always been the atmosphere, you know, just uh, being able to, you know, walk into a park and, uh, you know, just get caught up in the the magic of the season. I think that's always been the number one thing for me, you know, the lights, the sights, uh, you know, the shows, that part of it, uh, you know, the rides for me rank near the bottom uh, for, for these Christmas events, holiday events at, uh, you know, theme parks around the country. Um, you know, very much into the shows. The food too is a big piece of it for me too, because it's an opportunity to uh, enjoy uh, some some dining options that you're not going to see any other time of the year. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I would say for me, it's uh, it's definitely the shows, uh, the um, the Christmas light displays, especially now that they're getting bigger and better and more complicated, are are definitely like you know, a highlight for me. So, um, it's, it's definitely my favorite time of year at the parks. You know, I, I love rides, but the fact that this is not a ride focused thing, uh, I think weighs so much more heavily on everything else that's going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for me, it's the atmosphere, just that, you know, being caught up in the, the spirit of the season, uh, but for Ryan, for you, um, you know, what's one thing that you think every, uh, park should have, when they're they're hosting one of these winter events like this, you know, I was thinking about that. Um, and the number one thing I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and knock it off is a big giant Christmas tree. Uh, some of them are hundreds of feet tall, some of them are fifty feet tall, but they've got 
you know, the different uh, elements and stuff that that make them a little bit more than just a Christmas tree. Um, I would say definitely that. Um, I would put up on that pedestal, uh, you know, when we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of, of options, uh, ice skating is very, very important. Um, innovative Christmas light displays and uh, obviously, you know, shows. You know. And for you, where do the rides come in for you? Uh, the rides are irrelevant. Um, you know, if I was going to go to, you know, holiday in the park with six flags or, um, you know, Kennywood or something like that, uh, for their for their Christmas displays. I, I, if a ride was open, I would probably ride it, but it wouldn't be a make or break for me at all. What about you? It's not important. You know, I mean, it's a nice little bonus to have if you want to hop on a couple of things, but I think the kind of rides that I like to see at the Christmas events, the holiday events, you know, however you want to title those is rides like a carousel, a train ride, a dark ride. You know, I like those, um, but I can remember, you know, going back to 1982, it's hard to believe we're 40 years mm-hmm. ago, you know, when, when the Christmas events, you know, debuted, uh, the first one was Winterfest at Kings Island. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't 20 rides like you see today. I mean, there was two or three, you know, at the carousel, you had, uh, you know, the train ride was open and, uh, you know, you had the dark ride. Right. And that was mm-hmm. it. Uh, but you didn't go for that. You know, you went for the food, you went for the shows, you went for ice skating and, uh, you know, that's the way it was. And. You know, that's the way we liked it. It was it was fun back then. And it still is, uh, but they're much more immersive now. You know, when you add in all the rides, than it was forty years ago. Yeah, and uh, I mean, let me. I've always wondered your opinion on this. Um, so if you if you live in a climate where sometimes it's warm enough, sometimes it's not for the rides. Like, in your personal opinion, would you err on the side of caution and just have fewer rides? So on those few busy Saturdays when you can't run many rides, there's less disappointment since. You're drawing people for shows rather than rides and so on. Like, do you, do you understand what I'm asking? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that's the way you, you should go. Um, because if you do try to run a lot of the major roller coasters, you know, when you're in, like, say, the Midwest, mm-hmm. it's so unpredictable. You know, if you're on the West Coast or, you know, something like that where it's, you know, 70 degrees most of November, December, you're fine. Uh, you're not going to run into many problems there. But if you're in the Midwest, um, you know, you really don't don't want to, uh, to put out there on your list of rides, you know, these major roller yeah. coasters, especially the steel roller coasters or wooden roller coasters that have, you know, some of the steep drops and valleys and, you know, things like that, um, because it's there's going to be a lot of days where it can't go. And, you know, you look at the app or you look at the website and you say, oh, let's go ride this roller coaster. You get there and it's closed because it's 36 degrees. And you can't run it. So I, I think it's better to not set up guests for disappointment and have a smaller uh, listing of rides. The ones that you know, uh, for the most part, can run on just about every night that you're going to be open. Yeah, and uh, here's another observation that I had. Uh, so you and I were were down in Orlando a couple weeks ago, and we both got to visit uh, Universal Orlando. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we made our feelings very clear on them. I mean, most of what they do is top-notch, absolutely. Um, but I ran into... Uh, an individual that we both know, and I'm not going to name names or companies that works in uh, creative for one of the big chains of theme parks. Uh, and he happened to just be down there visiting. And he was like, can you believe how little they do for Christmas? Like our parks do way more than this. And it's like, yeah, I, I never even noticed. But the thing though is all the rides are open. So they put a Christmas overlay on it. And that is good enough. I mean, it's absolutely a great event, but 
it's not a completely transformative thing. You're not getting a completely different product in December than you were in, you know, July. And while I feel like seasonal parks and stuff have to do that, they have to offer things that are completely different, different shows, you know, um, different food offerings and so on. So I, I thought that was a really big observation. I think that our disadvantage actually works out to be an advantage if you're looking for a product that is more diverse, you know, and that's what I'm looking for personally. Well, I mean, it feels more like, you know, the holiday season when you go to a lot of these parks in the Midwest that have uh, these events uh, during November and December, because, you know, number one, you expect it to be cold right. those times of year. So when you do go to the parks, you know, it does feel like the season. And when you're in Orlando, California, uh, and you're not from there, you know, it doesn't necessarily feel like the holiday season because of the temperature. So I think that plays a lot into it too, in terms of uh, the vibe for the, I've event. noticed that with is, Halloween is, as is, well, is the climate. like, uh, so I've been to like Halloween horror nights and the, actually Orlando has a bunch <clears throat> yeah. of different haunted houses that are open year round. Um, and even here in the Cincinnati region, if it's too early in the season, sometimes it could be 86 degrees and you're going through a haunted house. It does not feel like Halloween, but you and I both living around here are pretty conditioned for that too. So I guess if you're from there, have lived there for a long time, you just know that it, it can be 90 on Christmas, you know? Yeah. It just feels more authentic, more genuine when you do have that 30, 40 degree weather, you know, in November and December when you're going to these events. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it's almost like, um, perfect, you know, in some cases, like it can definitely get too cold. Um, but on those days when, you know, it's 48 degrees or whatever, especially after the sun goes down, I mean, they're, they're, you're elbow to elbow and, and, you know, uh, locally at Kings Island and festival of lights at the Cincinnati zoo, uh, cause people want to have these holiday experiences, uh, but they also don't want to be freezing, you know? So I know that, um, like at the, uh, the Cincinnati zoo, uh, uh, like I'm just hoping that, uh, next Monday I'm, I'm planning to go there, uh, for their festival of lights. And I just hope that it's not good weather because I hear all these stories of three hour backups and stuff. I guess if they don't have the infrastructure to support 35,000 people at a time, then, you know, that's what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a sweet zone somewhere between like 38 and 45 degrees where it feels like Christmas. It's not too warm, but it's not so cold that it's uncomfortable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But, you know, the colder it is and it's all part of the experience, right? That is true. Um, so... Actually, Don, I want to point something out here uh, that I, I I meant to do at the top of the show, but you said it's all part of the experience. Um, here's a splash screen. Do you recognize the house in the background? Yeah. What is it? It's like the Griswold house. It is house. the Griswold house. Yeah. So for you, uh, for you audio listeners, I've got a couple evergreen trees in front of uh, a pretty obscure Griswold house with all the lights on it and stuff. Cause that's Don's favorite Christmas movie or at least presumably with how much you, uh, how much you quote it, you know, you know, I would love to do my house up like that. Um, but my wife won't have it. You know, she's like, we're not going to be that house in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, and it's funny cause there's all, I mean, there's several houses now, but I remember there was one in particular near where I grew up. Uh, that did, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like that. It was, it was actually probably more distasteful. It had more stuff in the yard and so on. Um, but there were like cars would park and walk up and take pictures of it and stuff. Like it would be fun to do the, the lights and design the lights and stuff, but it would be terrible to have people taking pictures of your house every night, you know? 
Yeah, it would. And you, you, you do see that, you know, I can drive through my neighborhood and you do see people that do pull over on right. the road. They're taking pictures of it and all that. So yeah, that'd be a little bit, uh, something I wouldn't be real comfortable with people shooting pictures of my right. house. Right. I mean, like I wouldn't care about people taking pictures of my house, but you know, just if I'm in the windows or whatever, you know, pick things on the internet of me and my family sitting there eating dinner or whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah. so one of the things that I've noticed, uh, especially over the past five or six years now that like theme park holiday events have like really come full circle and almost everybody has them is that technology uh, from like a show standpoint, like show at lowercase s. So not necessarily live shows, but show as in what the spectacle of what you're seeing is playing like a much bigger uh, aspect in this from a technological standpoint. What's your favorite thing that you've seen that really kind of uh, still kind of tickles you and makes you excited and you want to show off to people? You know, I think when you're talking about technology and you and I have had this discussion before, but, you know, the, the pixel mapping, you know, really plays well, you know, for, for a holiday event. Uh, so to me, that would be the top of mind with that. Um, what about you, Ryan? Um, I definitely agree with the pixel mapping. And uh, let me let me lay that out for those of you who don't know. So pickle, pixel mapping is when um, each light on a strand is individually addressed. Uh, so you can make patterns and stuff with the lights and so on. Um, everything is driven by software. Um, it's at the time it's what the ironic part about it though, is that the strands are not expensive. You, you can get them on Amazon for like $11 a strand, which I guess is expensive for Christmas lights, but hear me out. The software on the other hand is, uh, it charges you bases on the universe, the universes. So if you've got a really big Christmas tree, like if you've got like a 300 footer or something, which some do, um, that license for that software is like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but where else are you going to go? There's only a handful of softwares that can do it. Um, but for me, I would say that another example is time code. Now time code has existed for quite a while. And it's definitely not unique to Christmas. However, with the importance of live shows, I think that the display aspect of having the smart lights going and the lights changing color and so on, um, far beyond what an individual human could do, uh, is definitely playing a big factor in this. Um, so, so that's that's my my thought with the contribution. Um, you also can make. Yeah, you know, I get asked too, Ryan. You know, uh, you know, people know that I was around as a guest back in. 82 40 years yeah. ago again when uh you know king's island debuted winterfest but you know they ask what's the biggest difference between you know then and now other than you have more things open and and it's the technology i mean that's that's definitely you know changed that event uh you know there wasn't a lot of colors with the oh. lights back then in 1982 all of the pictures and it was just kind of one color lighting on the tower one color you know up and down the streets and on the trees mm -hmm. and everything um, you know, so really the technology over the past, you know, like really the last, you know, five to 10 years, it's really taken off, but even going back to, you know, like 40 years ago, I mean, it looks, you know, when you look at those pictures now, I mean, no comparison oh, no. Uh, to, to what you would have seen at parks in the eighties to what you see today and what everybody's able to do with the technology. Yeah. And it, what's funny is, um, I always had this rose color memory of the 2005, I want to say Winterfest, right? That was that the year it came back or 2004? Okay, mm -hmm. 2005. 2005. So there was a show that they called Illuminations, not to be confused with Illuminations at Epcot. This is not the same thing. Um, but it was on uh, a pond and it had lights that danced to the music. And I, I remember just my mind being absolutely blown by this. Um, and 
even now, like with the the new iteration of Winterfest, which is uh, six years old or seven years old, and they took a year off during COVID and so on. Um, I my thought was always this is so much better, but I just wish they had something like that. And finally, like six months ago, I came across a YouTube video of that show and I watched it and I was like, I wouldn't even turn my head to look at this in today's world, you know, just because everything is so much better now. You know, these don't change colors. They flicker. They go to the music, which was cool. And there was pyro at the end. I would love to pitch that idea to you because that's cool. But um, but yeah, it's it, it, everything is so much better and so much bigger you know, because Christmas is the number one spending season, uh, probably not in theme parks necessarily, but from a retail standpoint, it's definitely the biggest still and lots of opportunity in the parks with that, I, I would say. Yeah, you know, the other night you're talking about technology and, you know, kind of referring back to, you know, you saying that, uh, you know, what you saw in 2005 to what you see today. But even, you know, I was watching uh, Rudolph was mm -hmm. on and, you know, just how that was, you know back in what 1964 i think is when it came out and just thinking while i'm watching that with the technology and everything that's out there today you know what would that show look like if they made it today instead of back in 1964 would that be better or worse though because if they made it with cgi would it have the same charm for me it wouldn't i agree um but you know for a lot of people you know who were you know born 1990 later or something you know um, it might appeal to them more. So right. who knows? It, yeah. But uh, I guess it depends on what yeah, area you're Yeah, yeah. I mean, in. it depends on whose pocket you're shopping out of because, I mean, I, I saw Toy Story 4 in um, in theaters a couple years ago when it came out. And that looks so good that I, at first, I was like, is this like a claymation thing? Like, are they moving the... But no, it's all CGI, but it looks perfect. But, you know, sometimes in imperfection, there's, the, you know, an instant nostalgia. You know, I don't know. I think we're going off on a tangent because we're here to talk about theme parks, <laughs> not television specials. Well, let's go. Let's go back <laughs> to theme parks. And, and, you know, Ryan, you've gone to a number of these Christmas events. Now, if there's one thing about these events that you would change or alter, what would it be? Um, so I'm going to say this and it's going to be counter to what I said before, but I would say more things done with rides. Um, and by that, I mean. Uh, if you've got a dark ride, I would love to see like an immersive Christmas overlay uh, simply because it does create a completely different experience than if you were to visit in, in September. Um, like I said, I, I'm not, you know, g g interested in riding your giga coaster during your Christmas events, but, um, you know, for the rides that are open to make them unique and special, I, I always thought that that would be really cool. I know some parks for um, like their Halloween events put like fog machines and stuff out on the course of like roller coasters. So that's kind of fun. So come up with stuff like that for rides. What do you think? Well, I think we're on the same page there with rides that you could, you know, transform them a little bit more to be more holiday themed. I know some of them changed the names and that uh, of some rides, but you could make it, uh, you know, especially a dark ride, as you mentioned, you know, more immersive, more tied into uh, the theme of the event. I, you know, we're going to go back to the eighties again with Winterfest at Kings mm -hmm. Island you know, when they had the Smurfs Enchanted Voyage, you know, they did put some like Santa caps and things like that, you know, in there uh, for it, you know, and add a little bit to the experience with that. Um, but I think, you know, maybe even for me, maybe some more, you know, go a little bit deeper. You know, some parks don't go as deep as I'd like to see uh, with, with the uh, dining options. Yeah. You know, they don't bring out more of the seasonal stuff. It's still a lot of the same things that you get 
any other time mm-hmm. of the year. So maybe I'd like to see a little bit deeper uh, selection of, of uh, menu items there uh, that are more themed to the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, if, um, if we're going to talk about what we would add, let me talk about something I would subtract. So one thing that gets kind of on my nerves and it seems like every park does it is they rename everything in the park to be Christmas themed. Um, and that's adorable, but it's also confusing. You know, um, if you, if you have a restaurant and you completely gut out what it offers and offer like completely different food or, or whatever, then I understand that because it's, it's a completely different offering. But, you know, if you've got, you know, Prancer's pancakes or whatever that serves the same stuff during the summer, it's just kind of like, you're trying a little hard there, buddy. And you're making the park map harder to read because a, a lot of people, right. um, use waypoints when it comes to navigating park maps. It's like, um, all right, where's this ride? Okay. You make a ride at the pizza stand. Well, if the pizza stand changed names for no reason, you're making it really difficult for, for people like that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I go back to the food items. Um, I want to see a little bit deeper selection or more seasonal themed, uh, food items. You know, we were at, like we talked about Orlando, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, uh, universal and the Christmas event there and get, you know, getting to experience that um, pretty much the same menu at a lot of the food locations throughout the park that you would get any other time of the year. It was all good. You know, don't get me wrong there with that, but I would have liked to have seen some things that were more like, the, you know, like turkey and, you know, meatloaf. Those are just some different things to mix it up that I wouldn't be able to get there in, in July. Just something I'd had to go there in November, December, or I don't get to try these. Let items. me ask you this. So this is a conundrum I've always thought about. So, that's a big word for you. I, I, yeah, and I'm hoping I'm using it correctly, but probably not. Um, so, so when we talk about Universal, Disney, uh, SeaWorld, and so on, the destination parks that you may visit once in your life, um, do you think that there there's a certain resistance to holiday stuff? I mean, especially Universal, because, um. You know, I, I, you know, I, my whole life I've wanted to ride the Incredible Hulk coaster and it's like, I want to see it in its purest form when I ride it for the first time. I don't want to see the Incredible Hulk with Santa Claus hats or anything like, you know what I mean? Like, well, there's something to I, that. I, for I, sure. I think so. I but mean, but it's funny because you would that. think Disney of all places, um, would be like, because re- remember, um, when like the, the, the they can't mess with that castle apparently of surprisingly the 50th stuff went really well but when they turned the castle into like a giant uh, cake and or or the time when stitch um from lilo and stitch like vandalized it as a publicity stunt and all they got was a ton of complaints of people saying like i've saved up my whole life to take my picture in front of this castle and it looks like a freaking cupcake now like i'm surprised that disney goes as far into christmas as they do um because well, because you know, because if if somebody goes on vacation there, and I don't know, I'm almost talking myself out of it because I I don't know if people go there particularly for Christmas or if they go there because Christmas is a good time for their schedules. You know what I mean? Like that week between Christmas and New Year's is always like booked out for all the parks because everybody's off school and work. You know? Yeah, for me it was always uh, when my family would go down. Uh, during the Christmas break, it was always to experience the park as a Christmas event, more so than as Disney or as Universal. But was that your first ever visit, though? That's my thought. 
No, it was not. It was not. So, I mean, if it is your first ever visit, yeah, I mean, that's going to definitely, you know, play into it a little bit there. But, you know, it was something that, uh, you know, we had gone during the summer months and then we wanted to start uh, going during the winter months and, uh, you know, to to try out the different events that they have. And, uh, you know, so we started going specifically to experience it as a, you know, during the Halloween season or experience it as a Christmas event. Uh, so we were looking for it to be more of that than what we would expect to see in the, you know, the spring and summer okay, months. So do you think that the events, let's talk about Disney particularly. Do you think that uh, uh, maybe Mickey's not so scary as well as the uh, the Christmas celebration? What, what's the Christmas celebration called down there? Um, which which uh, part? Magic Kingdom. <laughs> the, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it now, too. You got me on that one. Anyway, so, but do you think those events maybe are more marketed towards people like your family that would go more than once? Like we go in the summer and then, oh, we got to go back to see Not So Scary or whatever. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they 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 want to target to the families that are going to come back a couple of times a year for sure. But also that kind of plays into what I was saying earlier um, in which, um you know, like, like Universal had a slight Christmas overlay. It had Christmas trees around and stuff, but Disney again, takes a different route and, you know, all their shows are Halloween or Christmas themed and, you know, everything is decorated and it's got, uh, Christmas merchandise and so on. So it's funny how two different routes are taken for those two places, you know? Yeah. Well, you got an older crowd too, that's going to go to Universal than you were Will Disney with the Mm -hmm. family. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, but yeah, but I mean, if you want families to come down, you know, more than once, you want to have them experience something different. So there's a reason to come more than once every 12 yeah. months. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, you do walk, walk a, a fine line though, because I think that if you have a centerpiece, whether it's your, uh, you know, in Kings Island's case, it's the Eiffel Tower or whatever. Um, if you painted that a different color, there, there could be a negative reaction to, that's not my, you know, the, the, the problem is that some of these parks really do belong to the people, you know, regardless of the legality behind anything, you know, it's the people that keep on coming back that really are the equity holders in these parks. So, um, you know, dressing it up seasonally is one thing, but changing it permanently is almost something you need a referendum on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. All right. So one of the events that, um, you know, every Christmas event has and one of the events, one of the activities that every Christmas event has is ice skating. So Don, you've worked at like a, a more ice rinks than I can count on one hand. Um, how does the condition of the ice at an arena compare to the condition of the ice at like these parks for the outdoor stuff? Well, I mean, I think you're talking, you know, the professional you know, arenas where, you know, you're going to play on the, you know, the NHL or the American hockey league or the ECHL is playing on, you know, it's not going to be that quality of ice, but if you're talking about, um, community rinks, uh, you know, these measure up very well, uh, with, with those experiences, you know, skating, um, I can say without hesitation, you know, some of the winter events, those outdoor skating rinks that I have, uh, skated on the ice is much better than some of the ice that I've played hockey games in, you know, in some of the, uh, um, you know, facilities, you know, throughout the Midwest that I've played in. So, uh, you know, very impressed, you know, with, with the ice. And I think when it gets a little bit colder, you know, the ice is even better. You want the ice to be hard. Uh, it's a little bit faster than 
And so, um, you know, they, they do a great job, you know, the parks and, and, and maintaining the ice surfaces and, uh, you know, keeping them in great shape. You get, you know, hundreds of right. people a night skating on them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, the ice is great, you know, and I, if I'm just going to go out for a skate, you know, you're going to find better ice at some of these, uh, you know, Christmas events around the country than you're going to find at your local yeah. ice rinks. And well, what's funny is that, um, you know, weather does really affect it. You mentioned that the colder it gets, the better the condition of the ice is. Of course, um, one thing that is kind of like a blessing in disguise is that it's typically very busy. And I've noticed that, um, you know, especially kids that are learning to skate, which is probably a population of 20% of the people on the ice. Um, you know, when there's a half inch of snow, it's easier to kind of walk on skates and work your way up to skating. You know, that's I've only done it once or twice that I can think of at a theme park, but I think it's going to become a tradition because it was a really, really fun time. Um, yeah, but I highly recommend that though. If anyone, uh, you know, even you're not, you know, you don't skate much or you've never skated before, you know, they've all got these little, um, you know, things that you can hold on to, to skate around the ice with, you know, definitely do it. Um, it really adds to the experience when you can get out on the ice and you look around, you see all, you know, just all the lights and the buildings and, you know, the atmosphere, you know, at a park, you know, definitely, definitely. Yeah, especially, um, you know, shout out to both Kings Island and Kings Dominion for the skating is on the fountain, which is the coolest thing ever. You know, um, I actually, like I said, I got to skate, um, I think it was the day before Christmas Eve. So it was kind of an exciting time anyway. Um, but that's one of my best memories from, um, you know, from Christmas last year is doing that. Um, it was me, my girlfriend, uh, another friend of mine and his son, and his son was five at the time. He didn't know how to skate at the beginning. And he was like checking people into the boards by the end. And it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do that. Yeah. And you've got a lot of room to roam too. I and mean, that's another good thing about, uh, you know, the, these rinks at the, uh, Christmas events, these outdoor rinks you have, mm. you know, they're longer usually a little wider than what you're going to find at your local yeah. indoor Do they, um, like for Christmas events in general, this is a general ice question, I guess, but for, uh, for outdoor rinks when they're not open for, you know, a week or whatever, do they stay frozen or do I mean, do they save the electricity? Oh yeah. They stay frozen. Yeah. They stay frozen. You still have to maintain it. You still have to run the Zamboni around every day. You still have to cut the ice. So yeah, I mean the same maintenance goes into it, whether you're open during the week or you're not open during the week, you just can't. Uh, what happens if you, I mean, I guess it, does it get pillared or something? If, if you uh, don't run the Zamboni, I guess if, if it rains or anything that would affect it. And yeah, it'll affect it. If it rains, if it snows, you know, you're going to, you, you don't want the rain and that to freeze you know, on the ice. And if it does, you have to, you know, make sure when you're going with the Zamboni that you're actually, you'd have to it, probably cut it more than you're once just with resurfacing the it. You're cutting it. Yeah, exactly. So you want to keep it the same kind of level that you have. You want to keep it even. So you don't want to have, you start to get ruts and uneven ice. If it rains and you don't do anything about it and it's not, it hasn't mm -hmm. been open for four or five days, you know, between, uh, open to the public. So you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're doing that maintenance every day on it. Yeah, better consistency yeah. that way. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I've always been fascinated by ice rink uh, maintenance, shall we say. Uh, you know, I... Yeah, but the equipment out there, I mean, you can, you know, they have they put them out there in, you know, California, Texas, everywhere else now with these outdoor rinks, uh, you know, they're able to, to, to make ice, you know, anywhere now. Yeah, 
I've always wondered, like, I, I, I wonder about things that nobody else cares about, but I've always wondered, like, if you turn this fountain into an ice rink, what's the electricity cost per hour on that, you know? But, I mean, stuff is so efficient now <laughs> that maybe it's not that bad, you know? Um, but it's... But, you know, we talked about technology improving. There's another thing, you know, mm -hmm. what the ice rink was uh, in 1982 to what it is today at a Kings Island. You know, it's, it's definitely a different uh, way of making. Yeah, I mean, we'll look there. at most ice rinks that, that are in existence and they're from before 1982. You know, let's forget about like bigger NHL arenas and stuff because they're all within 20 years old. But I would say like, um, you know, your uh, your local rink is built in the 50s or 60s. Like, let's be honest with you. Look at the quality of the ice there compared to something that was built in the last 10 years or so. You know, because it doesn't yeah. it have like a like some of them have like a sand base and stuff. And, you know, now they're doing mm -hmm. concrete bases, which is a little bit better and more even concrete bases, sand yeah. bases. Yeah. But uh, no, shout out to all the people out there, you know, throughout uh, the country that, uh you know, at the parks that have ice rinks, you know, the, the job that you do, you know, maintaining the rinks because, uh, you know, everywhere I've skated outdoors at a, at a theme park, the ice conditions, it's been phenomenal. You know what, Iapa, we saw um, that fake ice. Did we ever talk about this on the show? I can't remember. So right across no, from the attractions no. group booth was this company that had like the fake ice that's like plastic. And um, they hired these uh, skaters from, I guess they, they were from, the one was from New Hampshire because, you know, Don, of course, went and talked to her. But uh, they uh, they came down to perform in SeaWorld's ice skating show. And they just, they skated around in circles and did little twirls and stuff for 15 minutes and they switched up. And then the other one skated around and, you know, um, but that guy was saying like, he just, like, there's so many people interested and because you got to think you put that stuff down, whether it's a lease or it's a purchase or whatever. I'm not really sure. I think he was in the business of leasing, but you don't have to Zamboni it. You don't have to keep it frozen. You don't really have to maintain it, to my knowledge. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff you have to do, but not like an ice rink. And, um, you know, the girls that were skating were like, yeah, it feels pretty much like ice, you know. Yeah, when I was talking to them about it, you know, what's the difference? For them, you know, going from ice to this, you know, plastic synthetic surface and, you know, so you can do a mm -hmm. lot of the same moves that you do on the ice, um, but you, it's the stopping, you know, you, you can't come to as hard of a stop. So for someone like me that played hockey, it would be a struggle to be going like full speed and then all of a sudden, you know, have to stop on a dime on something like that. But if you're just going to skate around like a public skate kind of thing. You know, it can work for that, but you're not going to want to use it for any kind of, uh, um, you know, yeah, game I mean, I don't, I'm not advocating kind of for the NHL competition, like figure skating competitions or anything like that. But no, but I mean, but if you're just trying to have something, uh, you know, you're setting up in a, in a parking lot or something like that with a little winter event, um, you know, that can yeah. work for you to put down that. that right. Kind of, that and kind I, of I remember doing it in a, a shopping mall um, probably 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They called it Gleiss. I remember that distinctly. There was Gleiss skating. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the same technology or not, but I, I remember like the lateral forces were really bad. And it, it probably ties back into your stopping thing because I remember that skating on that compared to skating on ice, like your blades wanted to push outward because they couldn't get a grip into the uh, the surface. Um, but that would also, I mean, that's that's how you stop too. You know, so you. Yeah. Now, what we saw at IAPA 
you know, we're going to use that word technology again, a lot different than what I saw 10 or 15 years ago um, with the artificial ice where it was a lot thicker. Um, So this one allowed you to do more of the natural skating moves on it than what you could have done 10 or 15 years ago on those. Absolutely. Yeah. The ice skating is fun. And then some have snow tubing and uh, you know, it's always fun to have these activities And, and you know, you can ice skate, all year in most places in the country there's always somewhere but to ice skate at a theme park that's special that's good that's a completely different beast it is it is well ryan um when you look at these christmas events what's the one ride that you associate a theme park christmas event with um i would say first place would be a train uh, because trains are associated with Christmas and I'm not entirely certain why, but they are, um, carousel would be in second place, but not even a close second place. I don't think, you know, I don't really think carousel and think Christmas as much, but I would be surprised if there wasn't a carousel. That's the conundrum I'm in. But, um, <laughs> I, I think carousel for me, because it has, you know, especially when you see them you know, when they're decorated with the lighting and that for, right. for the Christmas season, you know, it's like that Hallmark moment when you take a picture kind of a thing of it. Um, so it does to me get associated with, with the Christmas event, uh, but train yeah. for sure. You know, you're always thinking train and Christmas are always. Yeah. Synonymous I mean, with each well, other. so carousel also came to mind uh, for the reasons that you're saying, like where it's, um, you know, like, like the Hallmark thing of the, the guy and the, the will they, won't they guy and girl get together at the end and they ride the carousel together for, uh, you know, uh, we all have a Merry Christmas, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but the thing though, is there are holiday train displays all over the place and there's never like a freestanding carousel for Christmas. That's why I kind of put it down a few pegs under the train. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely for me, it's, you know, the train's number one and then a close second is the carousel and then every other rides, you know, distant third behind those two. What's your favorite like type of Christmas show that theme parks offer? Like uh, big umbrella, but uh, do you like the the Christian stuff or do you like the elves or do you like, uh, you know, traditional Christmas songs or like what, what, what's your favorite kind of show? Well, I like the story driven, yeah. you know, type shows. Mm-hmm. I like those. Um, but I like the ones too, that feature a lot of the traditional, you know, Christmas classic kind of music. Right. Those songs, those things that are identifiable, you know, I, I like those, but, uh, you know, but if, if there's a show that's, you know, it's kind of a, a story driven show, you know, I'm all about that. I like it when they, um, when they integrate different stuff out so, okay. So, you know, they, they, you've got like the, uh, the whole, um, like nativity and so on. So you've got that, that's one category. And then you've got, um, you know, mistletoe and, you know, all the traditional Christmas stuff that's come over time. So that's a different category. And then there's the oddly over-sexualized part of Christmas with Santa baby and all that stuff. Um, but I really like that a lot of parks are doing stuff with like Charles Dickens I think that's really fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are, those are fun. And I like the shows where the audience becomes part of the show or can be part of the show. I think that's important is to have that kind of interaction. And you see a lot of that at the different parks that I've been to for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That's always enjoyable. Um, 
Another thing, uh, by the way, that kind of comes to mind that every park should have. Actually, that's probably something we should do. Like, what are the th if you were going to start a, uh, you have a theme park, all right? Not necessarily an unlimited budget, but a reasonable budget. What are like the top five things you have to have? Because we definitely have ice skating on that list. You know what else I would put on that list? Petting zoo. Petting zoo. Petting zoo. Yes, you always, uh, you always associate, uh, you know, those those animals. Uh, with the Christmas season, you know, the camels and those kind of, well, and then the other one that from our conversation, we would say is live shows, but, uh, for example, the festival of lice at the Cincinnati zoo doesn't really have live shows. So is that on the list or not for a theme park? It might be. I think you have to have the live shows. You, you, it's gotta be. Okay. A part so of let's say, let's put live shows in. So two more, um, well, light displays too. Yeah, you gotta, gotta have, have lights. lights. And then what's what's the last one? Not the holiday right. season without lights, right? And you gotta have the yep. big Christmas tree. You have to have a big memorable Christmas tree that has plenty of photo options. That's the tone setter. That's the tone setter right there. Is that Christmas tree? It's the heartbeat of your event. Uh, no matter where it is, if it's in the front of the park, if it's in the back of the park, wherever it is, you gotta have a big. So Christmas I know tree. that when um. Winterfest, Winterfest was the first seasonal theme park events uh, involving Christmas, according to lore. <laughs> and I'm saying that because I haven't researched that, but it's pretty widely accepted when it launched in like, what, 82, I guess. Um, so a uh, friend of mine, a friend of yours too, Bill Mefford, who was PR at the time, said that, you know, they, they made money and stuff, but their primary focus was they were giving back to the community and creating visibility for um, you know, season pass sales and, and things like that. Um, do you think that um, for a lot of park, well, not even that, not even just parks, but let's say zoos too, because zoos seem to do the festival of lights thing. Do you think that there is a lot of opportunity to generate revenue for that? Or is it like the long game? You know, if, if we offer festival of lights and so they're more likely to buy the family pass to the zoo, like, what are what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think 40 years, yeah, 40 years ago, I think that would have been, you know, the give back to the community. Let's just, uh, you know, do this so we can kind of position ourselves to sell more, you know, passes for the next season, that kind of a thing. But now it's a big part of the, you know, it's like haunt the Halloween season, you know, all those different Halloween events. It's a big part of your, your business. So, um, you know, it's definitely changed from what it would have been, you know, what the purpose of it might have been you know, back in the eighties to what it is today. I mean, now it is a major event, you know, it is a major undertaking. Uh, you have teams that that's all they work on for the whole year is getting ready for the, the Christmas events at these parks. So, um, it's definitely evolved. It's definitely a big, yeah. Piece of the so I, I think that the big, um, the, the big thing that always like gets me is that you go, you know, in, in August, you go to a park and it's a park by mid September, it's completely overlaid with Halloween stuff. And most parks put out a lot of Halloween stuff. And then the whatever team, and it's probably the same team at most parks, has to take all that stuff down and then put up all the Christmas stuff. And then when Christmas is over, come January 1st, in the worst weather possible, they've got to take all that stuff down again. And then who knows what they have to do? You know, sometimes some some parks open up with a, a, a spring celebration or whatever. You know, it's... um. I just I can't believe that um, the teams aren't hundreds deep doing that. I know that it's a collaborative effort, but isn't that incredible that you've got the whole overlay for Haunt, and then a few weeks later it's a 
much bigger overlay for Christmas. Yeah, a lot of work is involved. And like you said, it's it's big teams now. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, back in the 80s, the the team that was putting together Winterfest might have been, you know, 15, 20 people on a decor team, you know, putting all that up. And now you have so much, you know, more involvement in that, uh, um, you know, the entertainment offerings, you know, are much deeper than they were before. You might have seen two or three live shows, you know, and now you're going to see anywhere from like 12 to to 20 shows depending on what park you're at uh, so it's it's just a lot more involved much more immersive than ever was before and when you look at it too i mean most of them open four or five o'clock at night they close at 10 um, it is hard to get everything in in one night you know you you just can't do it so you got to come back a couple other times that's to make a sure lesson that i learned everything. uh this year especially um after the first night and i was like i've done three things you know Oh, yeah, but that's a good oh, thing, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing to have, you know, so much to see and so much to do that, uh, uh, you know, you, you want to come back a, a second or, you know, third time to these events to make sure that you see it. I mean, you want to try the food. You want to watch the shows. You know, you do probably want to ride a couple of the rides. You want to check out all the the lights and all the holiday decor and you want to go shopping. That's another thing we haven't even right. touched on is the shopping. I mean, just uh, there a lot of the stores at, at these parks, you know, they have stores just dedicated, you know, with with different uh you know, holiday items, you know, ornaments, um, you know, home decor, uh, you know, things to put out in your yard. I mean, it's just uh, a totally different atmosphere, a totally different season than any other time of the year. That yeah. And what's funny is I feel like the uh, mentality behind um, the parks has changed quite a bit uh, because parks, big parks are uh, a year round thing, you know, because even when the, when it closes um, at the end of the year, um, you spend the next three months anticipating the next one. And that's like because of the advent of social media and stuff. So it's not out of sight ever, out of mind ever. So I remember, um, you know, knowing families where it's like, oh, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got my gold pass. And it's like, well, why would you get that? You can't even use it for six months, you know? But nowadays, right. you know, oh, this model of this, this, you know, roller coaster train or whatever is a completely viable gift idea. You know, that, that, I, I, I feel like um, it's uh, the theme parks are far more woven into the fabric of the community now than they were uh, before the advent of social media. Yep, yeah. that's true. What's your favorite um, like uh, gift idea for a theme park lover? Well, it's got to well, be the season pass. Uh, and I go back to that because in the eighties, that was my annual gift from my parents, you know, was a King's Island season pass. And then, you know, we added on to that and got me pass it to some other chains too, you know, toward the end of the eighties. But, um, that was the gift that kept on giving, you know, the whole year through. So, uh, for me, that, that's the, that's the, yeah, I mean, idea. it's definitely a good gift idea, but it's funny because that's changed too. Cause remember when season passes went on sale for Christmas or even in the spring nowadays, mm -hmm. You're getting pestered oh, yeah. about buying or renewing your pass in August. So I can't randomly go up to somebody and renew their pass or buy them a pass for the next year because they may already have it, you know? They might. They might already have it. But, uh, you know, I was just thinking of me individually what it was about and, you know, what I remembered. Yeah, I remember uh, it. it's fun. Like we were, uh, there were two types of families when I was younger. And Don, you can probably relate to this pretty well, but there was Americana families and there was Kings Island families growing up. 
All right. Americana families were families where the were like the parents like they would do this once a year because like it'll shut you up. Like and that was absolutely my parents. And then the Kings Island families often even then were season pass holders, but the parents were like into it more, you know. Um, but I remember growing up, as soon as I was like old enough to do it, I used to cut my grandma's grass and she'd pay me ten dollars. And right around the time when Kings Island would open for the season, I'd have enough money to buy my pass. You know, you start cutting in March or so, and then uh, toward mm-hmm. the end of April, it would be a, maybe it was an opening day, but it was, you know, I didn't care at the time. Uh, but that's that's how I would always get my pass. I mean, nowadays they've got payment plans and buy now, pay later and several different tiers mm-hmm. and options and stuff. I mean, fortunately, it works out well for somebody that goes often. Um, because you can choose what you're going to do. You know, if, if I've got a friend that, you know, is going to come to the park two or three times a year, it's like, we'll just get the basic pass, you know, but, oh, are you also going to go to this other park on the chain? Well, you got to upgrade like, oh, you're going to spend, you know, a hundred visits there. Well, then you got to upgrade again. (laughs) Oh, it's just crazy. I don't know if you, so if you were going to add another holiday in for a major event, at a theme park, what would it be? That one that's not explored currently. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, are there any that haven't been explored? Well, I'm not on a, a grand scale because the, the one that's always come to mind smack in the middle of every park's off season is Valentine's day. Um, I don't think any park does anything with that, but you could ruffle some feathers with that. I imagine, you know, you could have your characters come out and give Valentine's and I don't know. You know, I'm not a creative guy. I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, you'd have to be a park that's open, you know, year round to really be able to take advantage of some of those earlier ones that happened, you know, in, in February and, you know, even March and April to, a, you know, to that degree, a lot of them aren't even open yet. So, um, but I think the core ones are covered. You know, you've got the the Halloween season, you got the Christmas season. You know, so I, I think those are the two. Yeah. Big ones. And then um, I've noticed that Fourth of July is less of a big deal now with the parks, because I remember they used to do fireworks for five nights or whatever. And now it's just like, all right, we'll shoot some rocks in the air, you know, on the Fourth of July. And that's pretty much it. Um, and that's that's nationwide, I feel like, you know. I, I, well, I think, you know, nowadays, the last 10 or 15 years, you know, every every neighborhood, you know, is doing some kind of a. um you know, fireworks display. So I think it's too readily available for people now than what it was, you know, back in, back in my day, I guess you could say where you had to go to a park uh, to, to see the the, fireworks show over the 4th of July. So now it's, you know, it's, you you don't have to drive far from your house. Right. I I completely agree with that. Um, You know, and and it's also like, you, 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 I mean, feeding into what you were saying, there's so much going on that you're competing so you have really two options. You can try to put on the biggest, baddest celebration ever in which if it rains, you lose a ton of money, or you can just kind of surrender those two days of the third and the fourth and then, you know, get them the next week, which I don't necessarily disagree that that's probably the better di- business decision. Now, I wish every park would do a lot. Yeah, well, that's that's where, too, that you do some different things around the fourth of July. Um, you know, in addition to your fireworks, you maybe you, you want to have some... Um, you know, some kind of 4th of July themed food, you know, it's available. That's not there any other time of the year. I think that always helps 
uh, to bring in guests, especially the ones that are there, right. you know, frequently. You know, they need they need another reason to come besides fireworks. So maybe you do something like that. Could, you could always do more fireworks. That's a reason to come. I'm a big firework fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think so too. I, and I don't think it's necessarily that the importance of the 4th of July um, has gone down in the eyes of the, you know, the American people. Uh, in fact, I would say otherwise, based on the fact that every neighborhood has a firework display. Um, but, um, you know, they are readily available. Um, if you were to put on a big, big show, uh, first of all, a, a normal firework show that's seven to 10 minutes in Gankata, you're not going to draw anybody with that. Uh, so you'd have to do something bigger and better. And that gets really expensive, really, really quickly, you know? So, and again, if it rains, you know, you still got to pay everybody, you know, no one's there. That's right. All right, Don, do you have any final words of wisdom or any thoughts you want to shout out the Bucky's, even though they're not sponsoring us yet or. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bucky's is, uh, you know, had an opportunity to, uh, see Bucky was out and decked out for the, um, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas holiday, got a you know, photo with him, a selfie with him. So that was, uh, that was a big moment for me. Being able was to it disappointing to meet your ago. hero? No, no, no. They always say, you know, don't meet your heroes, but, uh, you know, I, I took my chances and I'm glad I did. I mean, I the guess if you're a beaver, I mean, that's more on you than it is on the beaver. That's true. Yeah. Exactly with that. But, uh, you know, Ryan, it's, uh, you know, it's that holiday season. Make sure, you know, uh, you get out, you know, visit the parks that are having these events, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, soak up the season, have some fun. And, uh, you know, we you don't get a chance to uh, hear us over the next couple of weeks. You know, we want to take the time to wish you and your family, you know, a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And OK, to know, be thanks clear, for though, listening. We have some awesome shows coming up. We do. To be clear, we're going to do, we do we some do. awesome shows. we got a really exciting guest next week. I'm not going to say who it is. You have to follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP to find out. But um, yes, absolutely. Merry Christmas. Uh, once again, thank you all for those of you who take the time to listen to this and to provide us feedback and comment on our stuff and like our, our tweets and you know watch our videos and, and so on. So thank you so much. The merriest of Christmas to you. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Signing off.